Hello and welcome to Bandcast Movie Trash IMDb, and with me as always is Aaron. Hello. And Jared. What's up? I thought someone was putting a lime in my Modelo uh, the night before I watched uh, this movie, and uh, I was on Molly. Okay. <laughs> and this is the first in our Alien double feature. We just got finished watching 1982's The Thing, directed by John Carpenter, starring Kurt Russell, Wilford Brimley, and Keith David. This movie is a remake of a 1951 movie called The Thing from Another Planet, which was also based on the novella Who Goes There by John Wood Campbell, published in 1938. Now, I thought that I heard that it is not a remake, that they didn't really want to brush out. They didn't want to try to do a remake because they knew the first one was so great. I thought I read that, that they were. And that I also read that this one was more close to the novella. Interesting. I have not seen the original. I was going to try to squeeze it in before we recorded this and time got away. That would make sense to me. Although the idea that Thing from Another Planet is somehow like such a great classic is seems a little questionable to me. I wouldn't doubt that people would say that, but to me it looks like kind of like a B-horror movie, kind of cheesy 1950s sci-fi. Whereas this one, uh, I'll just give away my feelings about this movie. This movie blew me away. This is only my second time seeing it, and I liked it better this time even than the first time, which was, uh, I think, less than a year ago. But I did read the novella today. That's partly why I needed a little extra time. I was finishing up racing through the novella because I wanted to see... Oh, I thought you were taking care of your kid. Oh, well, that too. Yeah, I thought you were being a dad. (laughs) That's why we let you have extra time. If I would have known you were doing nerdy shit like reading, I would have forced you to do it right right when we said we were going to do it. What if I was reading it to my kid? Although that would be... Put the book down, nerd. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. That's what your kid said. (laughs) I'm just setting her up for a life of uh, disappointment and harassment from her peers in school (laughs) friends like Aaron (laughs) she'll do all right with a friend like me that's true that's true because she'll know you're her friend and you know friends can make fun of each other and uh, dig into each other that's how you know who your friends are and then also your enemies so I don't know where the dividing line is but (laughs) and I don't allow people to talk bad about my friends in front of me either even if I'm talking bad about them Yes. That's why when I go out in public, I really need to kind of be up in the Bay Area so I can have Aaron there. Because when I go out in public down here, there's nobody to defend me. Yeah. I'll beat someone up for you. (laughs) There you go. She'll be the enforcer. And that always feels good to have a a, a woman step in and and defend your your manhood. That, uh, well, but we're talking about me, so there's not much manhood to defend. I get it. Hey, I know how to make a man feel like a lady. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you finger. We haven't talked about pegging in a long time. Uh, it's very good to finally get on to a movie not starring Sylvester Stallone, so I don't have to spend hours uh, editing, listening to you to talk about Stallone's testicles. Um, so that's a you better f- not taking too much of the dick talk out of there. People want to hear that. Yeah, I know. It was I great. left. I left more in than I thought I would. So uh, don't worry. <laughs> I told you guys. I sent that picture to my dad. I don't know why. It's my fault that I brought it up. I wish Kurt Russell was nude. We can talk about his Me too. Now, how does he compare? This is a stupid question. I know it's not going to be. You know Bruce is number one. He's number one. But where in the hierarchy then below number one would Kurt Russell fall? 
I don't know. Because here's the thing about Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell's like, I always forget about him. But then if I'm watching something that he's in, I'm like, oh, yeah, Kurt Russell. But I guess it just doesn't stick with me post. So he's uh, what I will say. <laughs> I'm sure he loves hearing that. I do not usually go for that mountain man look with all that hair all over their face growing down past their chin. It, that to me looks very unkempt. But if you want to have that look, you have to be like Kurt Russell was in this movie. That kind of man is allowed to walk around looking like that. Okay. All right. Yeah, he's awesome in this movie, right? And uh, he is comparable to the character in the book, uh, even down to the description. So I think that they did hew closely to the, I'm just going to call it the book because novella sounds so pretentious, you guys. It It does. hews closely to the book. Anything French, you know. Even novel. Like if someone says, oh, I'm writing a novel, like, fuck you. Yeah. Yeah, that's true (laughs) too. You're writing a book. You don't even know if anybody's going to pick it up. Yeah, no one's going to watch, read it in your Kindle. <laughs> they're certainly going to pick it up and they're going to set it right back down. <laughs> Things to pick up and set down. That's why the covers are there. Yeah. Oh, love covers. It's how you judge the book anyway. But the description in the book of McCready is, yeah, he has this big beard. It's described as bronze, but then that's sort of close to what Kurt Russell's beard is in here. It's like a deep red, like an auburn. Did the fella in the book have those blue eyes? Ah, they did not describe the eyes. No, because his blue eyes really stand out. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. I I didn't even notice that. Okay. Well, you know, I just, when I see my brethren with blue eyes, I just uh, don't need to pay attention. Just like you're in the club. Yeah. When I saw the monsters, I was really freaking out. (laughs) I was like, what the fuck? Now, here's another note that I have about the monsters. So while I was watching this, it struck me as very similar to the monster effects in Total Recall, Kuatu. So I made a note of that and looked it up, and it is the same uh, special effects artist. It's Rob Bowton, or I hope I'm pronouncing his last name uh, correctly. But yes, he worked with uh, Paul Verhoeven on, let's see, RoboCop, Total Recall, Basic Instinct. And he also worked with David Fincher. He did the special effects in the movie Seven and Fight Club. Oh, quite a resume. And the special effects. So this actually gets to something that I was going to mention even before I knew that it was the same guy is the special effects in here versus how they look in Total Recall. They look so much better in here because you have good cinematography. You have better lighting, right? It's not like a fluorescent light just being shown down on Kuatu where you can kind of see that it's fake. Here, because the lighting is so much better, you get a sense like it feels much more real and terrifying in here, I would think. I don't know how you guys feel about that, but that that's Dude, what I took away. It's kind of like Alien where it like if you watch it now, yo, this looks current. Yeah. I think movies in the early 80s, late 70s, some of the good ones, like, th- you can watch it now, and you're like, oh, it looks good. And then there's some movies where you're like, whoa, this looks like dog shit. Right. And that gets back to something that I was also complaining about, Total Recall, is second most expensive movie ever made at the time, 1990. And that movie, compared to this movie, this movie looks far better and it came out eight years earlier not just the special effects but everything like the 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 cinematography and the lighting throughout it what's crazy is that these sets in this movie were shot on um, the interiors sound stages in los angeles that were refrigerated down to 40 degrees but they don't feel like 
soundstage sets. They feel like you're actually in this this world in this base, right? Whereas in Total Recall, I'm watching and like, oh, that's a that's a set. It looks like the wall moved when Arnold Schwarzenegger bounced back into it when he was fighting these two guys back in um, uh, the subway before he went to Mars. So yeah, that's a uh, a good comparison to Alien, which also stands up to the test of time when you watch it today, and you're pretty blown away by that. And that was from the late 70s. Yeah. A couple of notes, actually, before we dive into the plot here. John Carpenter considers this his personal favorite, which, having seen a number of his movies, I would kind of agree with. You know, Halloween is still pretty up there, but I think this one actually might might surpass it. Um, the score in here, John Carpenter is known for doing a lot of the, the music for his movies, and he actually has these albums. If you're ever looking for like a really moody and atmospheric album to listen to, just go on Spotify and look up John Carpenter, and he has these albums that are just kind of like the music. Like you, We all know the music from Halloween. That was done by John Carpenter. It's very simple, very basic, but for driving around L.A. at night, are you driving around LA at night listening to the Halloween music? Not the Halloween music, but John Carpenter's uh, music. Yeah, my wife and I have done that at the suggestion of Brett Easton Ellis, actually, who mentioned doing that. And I was like, I made a mental note of that. I'm like, okay, I'm going to try that uh, sometime. And I was like, years later. And um, yeah, we were driving down Ventura after going to a movie, I think, at the Arclight and just had that music. It's so good. And it'd be great to like drive up through like the Hollywood Hills and stuff listening to it because it's spooky and wild. It's cool. Oh, man. I, I listened to the Drive soundtrack. I used to do that. Dude, that's like, that feels like blow. <laughs> this score was done by Ennio Morricone. I don't know. It actually won a Razzie the year that this was released. This score, this score was awesome. I had a, like one yeah. of my first notes because I actually thought when it, as it was opening, I'm like, oh, this is John Carpenter. Came to find out later it wasn't him, but uh, it sounds like him. This thing won a Razzie award. This thing was pretty well panned at the time it was released. Did poorly in the box office too. It came in, I think, number eight uh, the weekend That's of release but it's grown in esteem over time which it rightfully deserves it's crazy to think that this movie didn't get good reviews at the time i don't know aaron we we haven't heard your initial impressions of this movie were you a fan i'll of tell this you movie? what for the first 45 minutes of the movie i had no fucking clue what was going on it was just why are they here in the first place what is their purpose Mm -hmm. I just I had no idea what was happening. So I hung with it. I overall, I this is not the worst movie that we've reviewed. <laughs> okay. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I really liked the you don't know who among them is the bad one. And I like that kind of a plot line. It kind of reminded me of this movie that was called And Then There Were None that I remember watching when I was a kid. And yeah, so no, I I thought it was good. But I, I do say that if I didn't have to watch this movie to review, I don't know if I would have hung around 45 minutes into this movie to see what the fuck is happening. It's a very slow burn. I love that about this movie. I loved, yeah, the confusion. And I, I love after the opening where we get the spaceship, Right. We, we get we see the UFO flying saucer yeah. coming toward Earth. Um, something that will also get our double feature with this is Predator. And the Predator opens with almost the exact same shot. It's the same thing. We see the, the UFO crash into um, uh, what we well, presume is Earth. 
And I think they, they do that because, like this movie, Predator is also a very slow burn until you get to, you know, what the connection between that opening uh, shot. But I love the confusion of then opening on the helicopters, chasing this dog and shooting at it. And you're like, what the fuck is going on? And you Why have, are you shooting a dog? <laughs> yeah, it's so great. I did not like the way the animals were treated in this movie. I'll be honest. I was really sad when I that dog scene happened. Neither did Clark. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. No, ew, I don't want to be him. I, I mean... Well, it opened on uh, a scene of Sarah Palin's husband hunting. That's essentially what, what they do, right? Up in Alaska, we learned. Uh, she see Russia from her house? Yes, yeah. From... I can see Russia from my backyard. <laughs> I'm sure she might think that you can see it from Antarctica, too. Well, we don't know what her vision is, either. She might have really good eyes. She could. Could have been something she just through evolution. If you live in Alaska and you have to be on the lookout for polar bears. Yeah, I think from <laughs> all the inbreeding in Sarah Palin's family that the uh, the, the evolution is going to skew the other way. But uh, that's just me. I don't know. Really taking it to Sarah Palin this episode. Finally, Fuck her. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> I can't. Yeah, it was filmed in Alaska too. Was it? I missed that part. Yeah, it was. Oh, okay. So that was Sarah Palin's husband hunting. Yeah. We should see if if we can get her slutty daughter's ex boyfriend on for an interview. Wasn't her daughter kind of hot? Yeah, she she she's the worst actress. Dude, my friend and I watched her acting scene, and it was awful. We we would just watch it over and over again just to see what not to do as an actor. Okay. <laughs> so good. So the Palins contributing to the greater social good with uh, in, instructive lessons on what not to do in acting. What did she act in? I don't know. Some shitty ABC family show. Oh, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, that sounds exactly right. So to get back to what your confusion was with like, what, like, why are they in Antarctica? So I why, guess, yeah, what are they doing there in the first place? Yeah, I guess it does require just an understanding that we have these science, re scientific research bases in Antarctica and they're by country, right? So the U.S. has a base in Norway, uh, as, as we learn. And I mean, I think a multitude of countries do. Yeah, multiple countries have uh, their own research bases and then in the beginning they also said it was like the u.s antarctic research base they did in the title screen it was like in a second so you, you might have missed it i did yeah but even still what is that telling me <laughs> what are you researching <laughs> well ice oh we're researching ice i know how it works I'll explain Science it to you. Stuff. It'll take two minutes. The, my understanding is that the Polish base is trying to find the recipe for ice. <laughs> um, so, yeah, just not knowing where the movie was supposed to be going. And then there's just they're not really introducing the characters to you yet either while there's all the stuff happening. So I just feel like if I was on my own. And this movie came on and I was like, oh, Kurt Russell, 1982. Yeah, let's give it a shot. I feel like 20 minutes in, I would have been like, all right, no, fuck this. I'm out of here. But I'm glad I stuck around because I do think it's a good movie. I'm just saying. We're glad you stuck around, too, so that we can have, we can discuss the film. <laughs> it would be awkward yeah. if you hadn't watched it. <laughs> although, although you could have been like me. You could have just read the story. But um... One of these times, I'm definitely showing up to one of these things not having seen the movie, just to see what happens. <laughs> yeah, and just to see if we can figure it out, if we can tell. <laughs> I, I think Jared might have before. <laughs> I have suspected it sometimes. As, as, Jared, have you ever shown up having not watched the movie? Yeah. You uh, I watched the highlights of... Uh... <laughs> 
of Roundhouse. I couldn't I couldn't get it functioning, so I had to like watch the highlights. So I had to watch scene after scene. Oh, you didn't watch Roadhouse. Oh, Roadhouse. God damn. Well, that, I guess so that... I watched I watched all the fight scenes and shit. Okay, good. All right. Well, Aaron, you get a point for that one for sure. <laughs> Calling that one out. Because I ordered it and then I couldn't get it working. It was weird. Ah, fucking Amazon. Bezos probably heard what you were saying about him. You gave yeah. a real try and the universe didn't want to cooperate. So it was like, you know what? I'm not fighting this this fight with you. <laughs> I'll go yeah. on YouTube and I'll watch the fight scenes. There we go. And hey, fortunately, Thrashin was free on YouTube. Isn't that how you guys watched it? I bought the Blu-ray. <laughs> I, I have to say, very fortunate because if I had to pay for that pile of shit. Yeah. I'd have been real salty. I'm still kind of smarting from that one. And the fact that I'm now uh, currently unemployed doesn't help. I guess I keep thinking back to what if I hadn't spent five bucks to buy thrash? Dude, I bought this with my unemployment card and I'm, uh, you know, doly satisfied. Right on. All right. That's the way to do it. So I would disagree with you about this. um, uh, They're not introducing characters. I love the way that they're introducing the characters, especially Kurt Russell. Like where we open on him playing chess, like they're all sitting around doing nothing um you get like the sense of like the boredom in antarctica we know that we're moving into the winter he loses at chess and then pours his scotch into the computer so you can just imagine uh (laughs) that your tax dollars are going for to replace every one of those computers that kurt russell breaks because he's a sore loser (laughs) apparently it describes character kurt russell really likes that scotch yeah jmb he's drinking jmb I love the scene where you see him finish the bottle of scotch. He's drinking it straight from the bottle. Uh And then the one guy's like, I need to talk to you. And he's like, well, I'm done with talking. I want to hurry this up because I want to get up to my room so I can get drunk. After he just killed like a quarter a bottle of scotch. (laughs) Yeah. Now he wants to go get drunk. And he is your helicopter pilot by by the way nothing better than a functioning alcoholic helicopter pilot when you're stranded in antarctica uh so that's a good point that brings to mind another note that i have here is about where do they hire these people what is the screening process because this radio tech is flying off the handle why is he so angry all the time i i love his attitude (laughs) problem it was great especially his um his problem with authority yeah, well, yeah. he's like the embodiment of every corporate IT guy, only this guy is a little bit yeah. nicer. He looks like he loves Bruce Springsteen, which I love about him, and he is going to fight the man. Damn the man. Oh, Bruce Even Spr- though he is the man right now. So is it just required, if you're from New Jersey, that you have to love Bruce Springsteen? No, that's Bon Jovi. Oh. Bruce Springsteen, we do for for free. Okay. So, okay, Bon Jovi. I'm just kidding. I like Bon Jovi, too. I'm not ashamed to say it. I think I am. I'm I'm ashamed to say it, uh, but yeah, when I was a kid, born slippery or what is it? Slippery? No, slippery. Slippery when wet. wet. Slippery when wet. Born slippery. Born slippy was the underworld song from the Train Spotting soundtrack, right? Uh, Yeah, slippery when wet, and I used to close the blinds in my room, get up on the bed with my. I had this microphone. It was called Soundstage, and then I would uh, pretend to be Bon Jovi rocking out. So um, that's it. embarrassing. I'll probably cut that part out. Speaking of Don't appearances. Don't cut it out. <laughs> I used to pretend like I was Mariah Carey with a hairbrush. Yikes. So you essentially <laughs> went around treating everyone around you like shit? That's correct. Yes. <laughs> While I was in heels. Have you ever fucked Nick Carter? 
Uh, no, and I don't think I'm going to either. No, would you, though? Um, you know, if you ask me right after I watched the movie Drumline, the answer would be 100%. <laughs> okay. But then he started wearing that turban, and he just looks so fucking silly that, no. God, he sucks. Oh, my God. <laughs> he is, like, one of the worst. I do love that little dimple under his eye, though. I mean, who has that? I haven't even noticed, <laughs> but... uh I will look for it next time I have to come across one of his billboards around L.A. He was on a oh, lot of Oh, does he build- have billboards up over there? Yeah. Something oh, like oh we don't give a fuck about him up here in SF. Good. You're lucky. That's the <laughs> one silver lining to living in we SF. We have too many things to care about up here. Too many social injustices. Oh, man. You got, yeah. Well, you, I was going to say you have billboards of like Uber CEOs and shit like oh, that. Yeah. That- billboards about where you can buy marijuana. Oh, yeah. Oh, we got those down here, too. <laughs> Photos of Jack Dorsey. Yeah, well, I, I say that in jest, but actually the last time I was up there, there were like billboards for like when you drive up. I think it's 210 into San Francisco. There are billboards for tech companies, essentially, and startups and shit like that. Oh, Dude, they're the worst. I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you do it, Aaron. <laughs> I don't either. Dude, oh, honestly, then- it sucks here. There needs to be more Pat the Bats, just smacking people's asses and shit. <laughs> yeah, honest, honestly, like, that's true. In Jersey, I wasn't going to stand for somebody walking by grabbing my ass. Here in San Francisco, if that happens, I'll be like, here's my number. Give me a call sometime. <laughs> You'll buy them a drink. <laughs> Let's go out. Well, while we're on the subject, too, of appearances, I had written down here that uh, Donald Moffat's eyebrows are the real horror in this movie. And I actually went on IMDb to see if they got their own billing. His caterpillars? Yeah, they're so... I'm surprised that the hair's not getting caught in his eye when he blinks. Like when he goes, <laughs> speaking of Phoebe Cates, he goes in a pool and he comes whipping those things up over his head. <laughs> and there's splashing, splashing water. That's maybe that's... they're maybe they're like his whiskers. Like he's a kitty, and those are his whiskers. And if he cuts them, he'll lose his balance. Oh, yeah, okay, <laughs> right. Uh, or Samson, he loses his his strength or something. That was crazy, Aaron. What do you what do you say to someone when you come across a fellow with eyebrows like that? Like, what what is going on? How can they not? You have to see that when you look in the mirror. <laughs> I don't know if it's somebody that I knew well enough. I wouldn't just say it to a stranger. That's mean. But I wait to be mean to my friends. Okay. So then once the person becomes a friend, then I would be like, what's going on with these bushies that you got? As someone who is a couple of weeks away from turning 40 and having had to cultivate a better grooming habits of late because the eyebrows do become a little more unwieldy. Jared, you get to look. For- oh, no, you don't get to look forward to this. You're fucking Filipino. Yeah. son of a bitch but uh yeah it's i don't know how you let them get that long and i know this whole unibrow thing is like somehow an embracing of some sort of cultural heritage or something that one basketball player now in the lakers he has the the unibrow i feel the same way about the unibrow as i do with those unwieldy eyebrows that donald moffett has you gotta trim them you know what i grow hair under my armpits and i get rid of it yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just because it's growing there doesn't mean it belongs. Don't you weed yeah. your garden? Just because it's growing there doesn't mean it belongs is going to be the tag at the end of the episode that I cut out. That's going to be the drop. 
you got to escape it. Because I believe that that's what uh, Sonny and Cher's uh, son uh, said about his penis, right? I know. That's what Caitlin said. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Oh. How about, can I ask you, or is it too personal, how are you tending to these brows? Oh, with my nose hair trimmer. <laughs> okay. Oh. Is it, are you getting a uni? Oh, I've always, I've been plucking the oh, uni. Oh, yeah, so you know you get rid of that shit. Oh, yeah. But you, you're you actually getting where they're getting like long. Yeah, you get some strays. You get some that are making a okay. break for it. And yeah. then you notice that the other ones around it are starting to get the same idea. So you just got to You got to get him out of there before he gets the others on board yeah. and they break the fence down and escape. Yes, and it's tricky okay. because it's very easy, just like trimming hedges, to all of a sudden be down to the nubs, right? So <laughs> I thought it could be. I have an actual, I have a tip for you if you're interested in it. Yes. If you get yourself a pair of nail clippers, actually go get yourself a, a pair of toenail clippers. Oh, I got them. Because they're a little bit bigger. <laughs> I don't know if you want to use the same clippers. I mean, I probably would myself. You just put a little alcohol on it or whatever. But if you're squeamish, you get your own set for your brows. And then you can get in there and you just take little tiny pieces. Okay. Do you know what I'm saying? It's kind of like you're manually getting them. right, And you're not taking too much off at one shot. Well, I'll have to discover this newfangled device you call toenail clippers. I thought you were supposed to just let those things grow. <laughs> Oh, no, you bite them off. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you bite them off. Okay, that's how you get your stretches going. <laughs> and it gets teeth strong, too. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to lose weight, so toenail diet. My, I think you could gnaw on mine and it'd be the same as Epicac. <laughs> so you could get into bulimia. Oh, that might, yeah. So then I could actually eat some stuff. Yes. <laughs> and then I'll just eat your toenails to take care of it. There you go. See, we got a plan. We need to write a book. Yeah. I love it. We'll write a novel, a novella. A novella. I'm going to write a novella. And then somebody will make a movie out of it. I also had written down here, th this is another movie where we're discussing whiteout conditions with helicopters. So when they, after this whole incident with the Norwegians that come up and they're, shoot, they're shooting at the dog, and then for some reason the guy that he's going to throw this pipe bomb at the dog and it slips and it blows up the helicopter, fucking Norwegians, can't trust them to do anything. Uh, I know, man. They love cute, killing cute animals. Whales and now dogs. <laughs> yeah, right. right. Yeah, I don't know why they weren't trying to club the thing to death. I, I mean, that's more, that's more up their alley. But then they're going to go fly to investigate the the Norwegian base because their radio tech, their angry radio tech that they've decided to spend the winter with, can't get in touch with the, the Norwegian base. And there's nobody to get a hold of. Yeah, yeah, he, he couldn't just say it. He's frustrated. <laughs> okay, then you're fired. Yeah. Yeah. And it's only the first week of winter too. So mental breakdowns, maybe screening process needs to be a little better. Um, they get Kurt Russell to fly the helicopter and he's, I just love like just it, a, a lot can be communicated just from a look. He just looks up at the sky and then looks back down and you, that's enough to tell you like, oh, he's concerned about the trip, but it's whiteout conditions. So of course that's what killed Kobe, not to bring this yeah. show down a little bit, but again. I, I mean, I mean, that shows the unrealism. 
the suspense of disbelief. You know, drunken Kurt Russell can fly a helicopter better than a. <laughs> uh, I would Kobe. actually say that it. Well, then Kobe's pilot. Uh, again, we've had two movies where the pilots know you don't fly in whiteout conditions. Maybe this pilot should have taken that into consideration before flying. And I'm less concerned about Kobe than I am his, the uh, kids that were on there. You fucking yeah. Anyway, but then when they go to the Norwegian base, and this is like the first indication that we get of like these great gruesome special effects this movie is going to be filled with gruesome shit and the guy who slit his throat and then his wrists and the blood is frozen as it's dripping down that was so so great it looks amazing by the way that base that they shot that film was the last part they filmed in Oh, okay. Everything just looks good. So at this point, Aaron, are you getting pulled? No, this is still within the first 45 minutes. So even at this, you're not pulled in by the the mystery? Maybe maybe it was like the first 20 to 25 that I was like, and it just felt like 45, you know? (laughs) Oh, okay. It it shows the characters. You know, you got the cook. Yeah. Childs is supposed to have a bad temper. I don't understand. I thought Kurt Russell's character had the bad temper. Yeah. I thought they all had a bad temper. I did not yeah. think that Childs had a bad temper. That's uh, Keith David, right? I was yeah, confused. I liked him. Yeah, I liked him too. I was like, where are they getting this from? And then later on when they're deciding that um, because they suspect that the captain, our Captain Eyebrows, uh, might be, I don't know, what are we going to call it? An imitator, one of the monster yeah. imitators. So they need somebody to lead. And then they tell Childs. And then they say, no, we need someone more, quote, even-tempered. So in this movie, even-tempered is code for more white. White. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was going to say that. <laughs> yeah. But what I also thought about this movie, especially since it's early 80s, was that I enjoyed that they did not make the black characters be the ones that were infected when they did the blood test. Okay. Yeah. You know it killed the director. Oh, come on. Don't say that about John Carpenter. He really wanted to make it be the black guy's fault. (laughs) Why? You're just (laughs) casting aspersions on John Carpenter unnecessarily. Yeah, I know, man. I think they wanted you to blame um, Clark, the dog fucker. (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah, Dog that's uh, dude. He loved those dogs. <laughs> Beta Sultanfuss his uncle. We're definitely led to suspect that he was taken over by by the monster, and I was surprised because I mean I watched it I think a year ago for the first time, and watching it this time I had forgotten, and so I was pretty well convinced that he was one of them, and turns out you know that he's not. When they do this awesome blood test, and the other character that's so great in here talking about the uh the gore in this is uh wilford brimley our doctor oh blair yes blair (laughs) oh by the way seinfeld connection he was postmaster general in seinfeld that's right oh wow he absolutely was wasn't he also like the oatmeal guy or some shit didn't I yeah. used to watch him on television commercials? Was it Quaker Oats? Or Cream of Wheat or something? Yeah, it was something. Some warm breakfast. Okay. Yeah, he, he was the oatmeal guy. <laughs> I just, I was thinking back as a child, taking a look at him and his physique. I think I'll stay the fuck away from oatmeal. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it's, it's not exactly a ringing endorsement for 
It's not what I'm trying to look like. How healthy it is. Yeah. Yeah. Take it from this overweight 60s guy. This is what you should eat for breakfast. <laughs> he looks like he looks like he's about to have a coronary at any moment. And it's lucky that they were able to get through the filming of the commercial, uh, much <laughs> less this movie. But I do love how he's the doctor and... So he's going to do an autopsy on one of our first uh, fatalities here, right in the dog enclosure. And he's got latex gloves that go barely just past his wrist. And he's just elbow deep in pulling the guts out of this thing. You know, you look, it's like those those latex gloves are doing yeoman's work trying to keep keep the infection the infectious blood of whatever this alien creature is but these things are good enough they there was a great lack of sanitation in this movie when they do the blood test i noticed that he's just like getting some of his blood on his hands before he cuts his own hand they weren't worried about it this was pre-COVID. He wipes the blade off on his jeans and then goes to the next person. That's like every... I, I don't know how anyone can watch that scene and not be like, wait a minute, you can't do that. You, you had to sterilize this thing, especially because you know that you're dealing with this highly infectious alien life form. So if you cut one person, then cut the next person, now they got it. Now they're going to become this somebody. Before AIDS? Is that what is that is that is that what's going on where they're like, "Yeah, whatever." Well, this is 1982, so this would have been right about the time that Ronald Reagan was developing AIDS, right? Yeah, right around oh. the time the government was cooking it. <laughs> yeah, cuz he fucked that chimpanzee. <laughs> right, you're right, his co-star. Listen, when you're in Hollywood, it's a law that you have to fuck your co-star. Now, when your co-star happens to be a chimpanzee, I'm sorry, but the rules are the rules. Whatever it takes. Hey. <laughs> the show must go on, bud. But it's what's weird is that then Ronald Reagan kept requesting to do movies with the chimpanzee, which it's I mean, let's not think too hard about it. Um, yeah. and the chimpanzee was called Nancy. <laughs> <laughs> Which was so funny about the just say no campaign because <laughs> the chimpanzee did say no plenty of times, but Ronnie wasn't having it. Hey, we're only talking about drugs, not intercourse. Ronnie got a taste of something that he liked. No doesn't always mean no. Um, <laughs> okay, so and then um, Wilford Brimley, Blair, uh, he's on his computer simulation. Another movie where we get this is kind of like almost qualifies as part of our pandemic uh, double feature because this alien life form is kind of like a pandemic, right? That's going to spread. And he has this very basic computer simulation that I felt was intentionally designed to remind us of Space Invaders. But he runs the simulation to discover that the thing would, if it got loose, it would take over the world in 20,000 hours, I think it was. 27,000 yeah. hours. 27,000 27, okay. hours. Give us a little bit of extra time. Yeah. I like how they cut to him and he keeps a loaded revolver in his desk drawer. <laughs> when was the last time you saw a doctor with a loaded revolver in his desk drawer? <laughs> I mean, apart from Dr. Oz and Dr. Drew, because they need one for those pesky liberals that keep coming around screaming yeah. about how the coronavirus isn't a hoax, you know? They need they need one. Yeah. To... Who knew? I trust Dr. Dre more than uh, Dr. Oz. Yeah. I hated Oz. Or Dr. Drew, unfortunately, who I don't know what the fuck happened to that guy. I know. He should have he stuck with Adam. Uh, Well, I don't know if he should have stuck with Adam. He has stuck with Adam. And uh, Adam 
is uh, a guy who thinks that uh, even in spite of uh, COVID, uh, you don't need to wash your hands. Eh, I don't mean any of that shit. Oh, and then Dr. Chu says, oh, that. oh, that's very, that's very good. Oh, yes. You know, and it's, uh, people in the country, uh, you know, don't get it because, you know, it's all the hand sanitizer in the city. And Dr. Drew <laughs> just sits there and nods his head and goes, oh, yeah, that's very interesting. Oh, tell me more. And it's like, uh, Drew, you're not going to step in and say that, you know, actually people in the country are the ones that are more susceptible because they come to the city people and the city people have a lot more germs than the people out in the country. But Dr. Drew's just going to sit there the herd and immunity. kiss Adam's ass and suck his dick. I can't fuck. I, I went back during this because I wanted to kind of hear I told you. how Dr. Drew was, what Dr. Drew was saying through all of this. So it's been years since I've listened to them and I could not believe the shit that, <laughs> that Dr. Drew just sits there and nuts and said, oh, good. Oh, good. Oh, Adam, thank you so much for sh- enlightening us. I didn't even realize those two were still hobnobbing around together. Yeah. The heyday was great back in the 90s. Yeah, Loveline was so good. It was great. Dude, they they gone like far. Like, dude, washing your hands is important, you know? That's how you Just get... wash your fucking hands whether there's a pandemic or not. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, but you know, Adam just goes by he, he goes by his gut, you know. I don't listen to these. He don't need to go to college or anything. I watch a YouTube video and I'm smarter <laughs> than everybody. I mean, the college makes you stupider. Yeah, cuz you know, it's a liberal warehouse for yeah whatever and uh dr chu just sits there and listens to it and loves it and um thinks the donald trump is great so he's doing a good job oh dr drew is for d trump yeah yeah in his twitter he just keeps retweeting people who are like you know maga yeah. How about uh, Dr. Phil? <laughs> oh, I hate that guy. I hate that oh guy, my God. too. <laughs> Love Dr. Oz and Dr. Phil. I'm like, dude, Dr. Phil is a piece of shit. Fuck that guy. I'm so I'm glad sick she's and tired gone. of these fucking like, people who like, oh, I use common sense language. Does a horse pull a horse by its wagon? And then just say nonsense and then get sponsored by a Pfizer commercial. It's just like, and then, you know, and then, and then anti-marijuana propaganda. I'm like, dude, I'm high. And I'm like, dude, what the fuck, bro? You're not even certified. Like, shit pisses me off. Yeah, he's not a certified doctor. Dr. Phil is bullshit. I think Dr. Oz is better. And I, I will take Dr. Drew and Dr. Oz over Dr. Phil any day, of course. Yeah. They're at least real doctors. I want Oprah to come out and, and tell us how she feels about bringing Dr. Phil on everybody like she did. Oh, I thought you wanted Oprah to finally come out and tell us how she feels about Gail. <laughs> that, would be, yeah. that would be something. If we if we shit on Oprah, we're going to get taken down so quickly. You can't First shit on of all, Oprah. I won't have you shitting on Oprah. I love Oprah. Now, what is it about Oprah that you love? That she's on the cover of every one of her magazines? Is that... That's exactly what it is. That's all when right. I started liking her. As soon as she started putting her face on the magazine, I said, there we go. That's a girl that is for me. She, she beats you down with her likeness. You have to like me. Look at me in all these wonderful Photoshop poses. She needs to apologize for bringing Dr. Oz and Dr. Phil in this spot. Oh, she's, she's responsible for Oz, too? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 she launched Oprah. his career. Oprah, what the fuck? I'm not super against Dr. Drew or Dr. Oz. They at least are still real doctors. But I do still, having gone back and listened to more of Dr. Drew, I've been like really fucking annoyed with some of his shit. Dude. Especially his just capitulation to whatever Adam w- would say, whatever stupid bullshit he would say. Dude, Dr. Oz I, is saying some... I, yeah, I can't take Dr. Oz. He's yeah. the worst one of the group for me. I mean, that's saying something because I can't stand Dr. Phil either, but... huh. Something about Dr. Oz's voice and demeanor makes me want to kick him in his head. Yeah, me too, man. 
I'm just like, every time he talks, I'm just like, fuck Shut you, Shut the fuck up, Dr. Oz. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought you were saying Dr. Phil. Again, I, I keep thinking Dr. Phil is the worst one. Well, Dr. Phil sucks too, but I like to hear him talk because he sounds like an idiot with that accent. So I can yeah. hang around and listen to him a little longer, <laughs> get a few laughs before I kick him in the head. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Like the minute Dr. Oz opens his mouth, it's it's game on. Dr. Phil has charm. Oz is just like he oh, does. Geez. Yeah, I guess I I would like see so like I, you would love to go out and have a beer with Doctor Phil, right? As long as you didn't talk about anything having to do with self help. Like he would probably be yeah, fun to watch. Hammered. A, he'd be funny to watch like a football game with. Yeah, or get hammered and and hear get his the behind the scenes. Yes, the stories. I'm take of you to Oprah. the PMP, Santa. And he actually, come to think of it, he kind of looks like a younger Wilford Brimley from this movie. Yeah. Is it just the mustache? Is it just anybody with a mustache? It's so rare these days. But he's kind of overweight, he's healing, too. He's healing that. He's trying to heal that, uh, you know, alien parasite, allegedly. And then he gets locked in the tool shed. What is the alien parasite? Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I was thinking Dr. Phil. I was like, Dr. Phil is into alien shit? Um, right. Well, he could be. Uh Wilford, so Oz will do for ratings. Brimley's freak out is hilarious. I do love this. I and I had, I just noted down here. This is exactly how Bernie Sanders reacted when he heard Joe Biden won South Carolina on Super Tuesday. <laughs> just <laughs> trashing everything, screaming, "It's not happening!" It's yeah, it was awesome. And he's gonna destroy all of the exits in the sense that he takes out the helicopter. With a pistol. Is it? Did he do it with a pistol? Or did he like just dismantle it? He kind of like dismantled the, the cockpit, right? Of the helicopter. We didn't, did we see, I didn't think we got to see him do that. We got to see him leave the scene. Yes. We got yeah. to see him running away. And then Kurt Russell sees what he's done. And by this point, they're all kind of like understanding. It's interesting that in the, the novella that the people kind of understand this reaction and they, they kind of accept it and they don't think it's such a bad thing because they know if they can't contain it, that this is for the best, that it doesn't get out because they don't want somebody to turn and then be able to fly out and then get to the mainland. Okay. So it's kind of, it seems like how Kurt Russell and them take it, although then they... Because they don't, they're not screaming at him, but they are going to lock him away, right? Because he's unwell. Well, because they hurt the radio. He hurt the radio guy. He's like bleeding in the head. Right. Yeah. But the radio guy probably had it coming. You know what? I bet he did. I think that maybe a lot of that attitude is because his father never did that when he was growing up. He's just trying <laughs> to rear this boy. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. Milford Brimley is a very uh, paternal looking man so yeah he's he's set up for it he's feeding him oatmeal at while he nurses his wounds and clark's fucking the dogs that's what blair says watch out for clark so we all we all suspect clark yes yeah we also uh, suspect clark and then it turns out to be bennings who was kind of a surprise and then he does this scream that have you guys seen the 1970s invasion of the body snatchers no because that one's great. And the scream that he does here is very much Invasion of the Body Snatchers. That thing. And I think that's definitely intentional. And his stomach opens up. That fucking, that scared me. I mean, like, again, I was on Molly. It was wearing out. But I was watching it. And then I was like, he's freaking out. And then the doctor tries to, like, help him. And then all of a sudden, when that, when his stomach opens up, I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. And he cuts his hands off. I was so freaked out. 
oh yeah, that's that one. Yeah, no, it was good. Like they were, at, so I watched this at night. So my wife and daughter had already gone to bed and I was unsettled. Like I just had like a creepy feeling going through me. I was like, wow, this movie actually kind of got to me. It got under my skin. It was like, but I appreciated that. It was, like it that. was good because some of the gore, again, it's like, it looks really good. The spider head and just the the fear that somebody that you're looking at is not what they seem, right? And that's very Invasion of the Body Snatchers too. But Invasion of the Body Snatchers doesn't have the gore element at all or the claustrophobic element because, you know, it's out in the open and in the city. But here you're in this um, this base, right? And you can't get out. It's frigid temp- Arctic temperatures outside. And it's just, it gets to you. Like, I, I think this movie has done so well for that. I was about as scared watching this movie as I was for any Stranger Things episode. What? No. Yeah, really? I'm sorry. I just Aww. wasn't frightened like you, boys. Did you? <laughs> this is why I need you to help defend me when we when I go outside out in public. Yeah, <laughs> and people start making fun of me. Hey, pussy! What are you scared of the movie? <laughs> hey, chicken shit! Hey, I'm the only one that calls him a pussy. <laughs> That's right. On the in a podcast too for everyone to hear. <laughs> Did you watch it during the day? Yeah. Like Jared? Oh, you oh, see? Well, see, I you gotta watch it at night. Like me. Aaron DB's like, did you watch it during the day or the night? I'm like, I watched it in the morning. But here's the thing, I live in a closet, so it's dark. I'm on Molly. <laughs> but you know you can step outside and it's light and the fear Dude, goes it away. It looks like it's night. I can't tell the difference between night and day. I have no window. So and I'm on Molly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jared makes a good point. He should have been more scared than anybody. I'm still surprised that uh I thought it was good. It was it just it wasn't it, that's not going to get me scared. The things like now it's opening up and there's shit coming out of the stomach and stuff. That is not going to scare me as much as I was more scared watching Halloween than watching this. Definitely. Interesting. I don't know if I was as scared from Halloween. Definitely there is scary moments. And I guess when I'm saying that I was scared or freaked out and unsettled, I'm with you that I'm not scared by like monsters exactly. Um, certainly jump scares will get me, but I'm a little annoyed by jump scares. But I, I think what them. it was in this one is the claustrophobia and the fear that the person that you're looking at without any special effects isn't who they seem. And I think it's that that like scared me more. It's the the psychological. Oh, element. well, that's that's how I go through life. That's what oh, a, okay. that's what a trust issue looks like, DB. <laughs> okay, a trust. Nobody <laughs> just a floating team. Penning's head as a spider. This is why the uh, the guy that you had started seeing, who he texts you uh, once a day to ask how your day was, and you were put out by that. <laughs> he's a nice, caring guy, as near as Jared and I could tell. He's up to something. Yeah, he's up to something. <laughs> what are you up to? Why don't you just smack my ass and stop being a pussy? <laughs> Yeah, basically. Learning a little bit about Aaron as we go along through the show. <laughs> we're, we're learning. Well, it's interesting that you mentioned uh, Stranger Things, too, because the... I think it's influenced the Demigorgon. The, uh, exactly. I can see the influence. The first scene that we get of it in the dog uh, kennel, where it opens up and it has that kind of flower 
uh, yeah. head mouth. Yeah. That's totally the Demogorgon. Just yes. Like they, it. So definitely doing an homage there in uh, Stranger Things. They're doing an homage to a lot of things in Stranger Things, certainly Stephen King and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, The Thing. The Thing, definitely. I mean, you know, you said before it did. Uh, it hurt John Carpenter's career. You know, it, it's so strange how pan this movie was i mean it has like that kind of midnight movie quality to it which yeah. is uh, again great for us that's kind of like the that's kind of like where we traffic in it, it feels like in the show certainly mm -hmm. we'll get that with predator but at the same time it has a very good expert hand to it right there's there's quality filmmaking in it even though it is dealing with this uh, kind of trashy it's kind of like a great marriage of the two sort of like how I was saying that Showgirls was a great marriage of now the high and the low uh, <laughs> uh oh uh oh Aaron skin trigger warning <laughs> I, but but this Don't is okay there. but I'm not crazy I'm not crazy this movie is a better made movie because it's consistent it's consistent from start to finish uh, than Showgirls Showgirls is a little kind of sporadic and, and all over the place but this one it maintains the the tension it keeps ratcheting up the tension i think and i love the ending of this movie how bleak it is i knew you were gonna love it and i hated it you didn't like it why not because when i'm watching a movie i like everything to be settled and we know how everything went and they didn't do a sequel to it either i thought that they, but i know that i read that they did do it they had filmed an alternate ending where Kurt Russell is oh. rescued and he does the blood test and he's negative. Oh, thank God they did not go with that. Yes, yeah, I, I kind of like the open-endedness. I knew you guys would. Th that dialogue between uh, Childress and uh, Kurt Russell where Childress kind of confronts. He's like, you know, you fucked up, dude. Do you mean Childs? Childs. Childs. Child. I don't know why I call him Childress. He's been called worse. Who is Childress? Child oh, Childress is from True Detective, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. When Child goes, you know, he's like, you think you killed him? You know, because he blew up the whole base. Yes. Leaving it like that. And it's just a beautiful shot too, right? In the snow with the smoldering base around them. And you think there's going to be something and then it's not. That's actually the, the alternate ending that you describe, Aaron, reminds me of the disappointment I had at the end of the movie 28 Days Later, which should have had this kind of an ending and instead has that kind of an ending. Oh, they're saved. There's civilization out here and, and it's a music swell. I was really disappointed in that, even though that movie I recall being pretty good. Do you know also why I think it did bad? Because I think it had elements of Cold War elements. And I think it had anti-Cold War messages on it. In, in this movie? Yeah. Keep in mind, I was tripping when I saw this. So I, like, oh, you know, man. I feel like there was like allusion to a domino effect. If so-and-so gets it, we got to do this by force. We got to take him out by force. But he ends up blowing the base just to get this threat. I thought it could have been cool if they would have made Kurt Russell get infected. Yeah. Honestly, we don't know. Was Kurt Russell or was Childs or neither? Or and we don't even know if uh, they got Blair. Where's Blair? Yeah, where the fuck did he waddle off to? Oh, right. Uh, what did happen to Blair? Oh, I forgot about that. So in the short story, Blair, it, it is similar where they, they've done the blood test. They've rooted out all of the, um, the imitators, the monsters, and then they realize they forgot about Blair. They run to where they've uh, locked him up. 
and they find that he was on the verge of escaping. He was an imitator, and he had used the time away to build a nuclear fusion reactor um, that he was going to use as a uh, sort of a hot air balloon uh, to leave i mean it was generating all this heat so they go into this uh the the shed and it's like 110 degrees in there and he was just on the verge of being able to escape and they are able to kill him and uh save humanity uh they believe and in here they go to yeah find blair and they see that down below i guess because it would have been pretty difficult to communicate this nuclear reactor thing and like this hot air balloon thing. Um, so they had him <laughs> building like a steampunk spaceship down beneath his yeah. uh, shed, <laughs> which is kind of corny. But hey, if you're an imitator, you know, in the 80s, you're like, yo, I'm an alien. I want a steampunk spaceship. <laughs> yeah, right. I've been frozen underground. Now, in the story, they make it clear that this spacecraft crash landed uh, 20 million years ago. So that's going back. Oh, I can't wait till ours is unearthed. You know what scene made me laugh out loud in this movie is when Kurt Russell goes to Blair and opens up his little eye, his little mouse slot that he has there. And he's like pleading with him. He's like, come on, let me out. Well, he's sitting at the table, probably eating his oatmeal with a fucking noose hanging. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That was wild. I like how they gave him his liquor. I loved it. Oh, yeah, they left him some gin, it looked like. I mean, that's like another great thing about this movie is it's like it's communicating something without it being spelled out. But I guess I guess my question was, is Blair really considering suicide or is he using this as a technique to make them think that he is considering suicide so that he'll let him out? I think it's obviously the latter now that we know that. Or is there a little bit of Blair that's like, oh, I'm going to fuck everything up. I got to kill myself before this thing. Ooh, destroys everything right that's a third one yeah but firstly it was funny yeah i i but i would i would agree it is kind of funny it's just this depressed so old calm man. at the table whatever is wrong with me i'm fine now while there's the noose hanging i'm fine <laughs> there's no need to worry about me that's so true i mean <laughs> that's like i'm remembering my days uh teaching high school uh in chicago on the west side and it was the door to the room was uh very much like that like that that kind of a slide except they didn't have that slide obviously but it was the same sort of square hole (laughs) there were days yeah where you could have just come to my room and i probably could have had a noose hanging from there and i would have been like oh it's fine because there was the one time where i actually punched out that uh glass it was the glass like with the wire mesh inside of it right and i got so mad at a student who was holding the door closed from the outside and I couldn't let my students out and I was and I screamed and I punched it and then uh, it shattered and I, my hand was bleeding. But that got the kid to fucking leave, by the way. And then the students were pretty freaked out because I'm, I'm sitting here dripping blood. And Wait, then, who was this kid? Oh, it's just like one of the students who was just outside my door. The door opens outward and he was holding it closed with his, you know, you put your uh, leg up there and you can't open it. Is that in Chicago? Yes. And then it was oh, like... Yeah. Two periods later on my break, um, the principal just comes wandering by <laughs> and he just comes in. He goes, 
Hey, Miss Bizet, how you doing? He looked. He was uh, the <laughs> principal, Principal Scott, who looked like uh, Jeffrey from Fresh Prince. You know the butler. Oh, he looked exactly like him. I mean, it was it was a spitting image. And he just came in, just kind of looked around, and said, "Everything okay?" And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, you doing okay? Yep." And then he just said, "All right." And then he just walks on like, hey, this teacher, maybe I should go check up on this teacher who punched out the glass. And then no, nothing else was said. They just uh, they came by, um, I think, the next day and replaced the glass and uh, everything was fine. Like that's that's the least of the problems that they had at that school as a teacher. Yeah, you're out. like, oh, teacher punched a glass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Any other notes that you guys have about? The thing before we move to grades when they got tied up during the blood blood test and Gary bushy eyebrows and uh Childs are are, are stuck while while the monster is like the thing is coming <laughs> oh, yeah. out. Yeah, you'd be that freaking is... the fuck out. <laughs> yeah, that was screaming like oh. That was that was another funny scene. That is hilarious. Yeah, right. You're t- <laughs> you're tied, and this guy's going going crazy with the the monster. That blood test scene. That is awesome. Right. Yeah, we need I to talk it. about that. That was so great. I mean, that is in the short story. Although they do a series of other tests before that that uh, don't work out. Won't go into it. And then they arrive at this test, and that is how they root out everybody. So it does come from the book. The way that it's done in here, though, is just so great. Dude, the acting's good, too, in this. Yeah. People who pan the movie praise the acting. God, I don't know how you can really pan this movie, honestly. Like, I even, don't either. And I would love to have seen this on a big screen in a dark movie theater. That would have been that would have been a really enjoyable experience. I mean, it's, it's a slow burn, and there's psychological elements, and there's also the great gory visual effects, like monster effects. Just the tension that's built when you're just following this dog in the beginning as it's on the base and you're like you know something's up but how can there be something up with this dog like and what is up with this dog and it you know just all, all this stuff is like really kind of masterful i think well i think it came out the same time as et so that's right hey man it's the 80s family values <laughs> i don't know this is the early 80s and oh yeah that's right you know just the bleak ending really has echoes carried over from like 70s movies too you could easily see this as uh, having been a, a, a 70s movie in a lot of ways, I think. And actually, so just uh, one more note that I had here is that this thing had a budget of $15 million, which is pretty big for that time, certainly 1982. Mm-hmm. And just a reminder from our review of Friday the 13th, that movie was made on $700,000. And the original Halloween that John Carpenter did was $375,000. I mean, this those are like those are so cheap, and then this thing had 15 million, and at least you can really see it on the screen. Like it, it feels like big budget. It looks beautiful, and it's just quality. I think so. With that said, maybe we should move into our grades. There's a video game sequel to it. There's a video game sequel. Yeah, that came out on the PS2. Oh, on the PS2. Oh, so it's not from the 80s. It's from this century. Yeah, I think John Carpenter was involved with it. It was like, you know, I, I, I always try to keep my video game anime habit in check. I didn't know you were a video game guy. Yeah, I am. I'm, I'm oh. a closet nerd. All right. Well, this is the last show that Jared will be on. <laughs> Guys, let's get to our reviews. I'm out. <laughs> Aaron just did the, uh, the the jerking off motion as you were talking about video games. So, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I didn't physically do it. I was doing it in my mind. DB must have been able to see. 
enough. I was vice president of my anime club. Oh, you had a club. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think just being a participant of the club would have been enough. <laughs> yeah, it would have been enough to get you kicked off this show for sure. Really raised the ante with being a part of the officers. And yet you come down on the theater kids. You had an anime club, Jared, and you were the captain yeah, of it. Yeah, thank you for that, DB. I appreciate that. Yeah, <laughs> defend, I'm going to defend the theater kids to the end of day, along with Carol Baskin. You're welcome, Aaron. Absolutely. <laughs> Don't lump what I was with what she is. <laughs> Wait until I make my first kill. When I kill somebody with fish food, then you can link me with her. I don't know where the fish food comes from. Where does the fish food come from? Did she kill? Remember the fish the, food a helps couple in Arizona. Oh. and that's that's the perfect murder plot. Yes, that's right. <laughs> I knew it before the detectives did. You they did. Have called me. Yeah. Well, I think the FBI listened to our show. Oh. Okay. Yeah, hmm. they, they got tabs on me. I wonder if there's any attractive single ones that are interested in me. In the FBI? From listening to this podcast. Certainly. If we learn one thing from Twin Peaks, it's <laughs> that we have attractive, handsome special agents. Of course. You have to be attractive to work here. Yeah. Well, we yeah. know they're trim and fit anyway, right? Johnny Utah had the swim test he had to do. Yeah, oh. <laughs> Johnny Utah. <laughs> oh, Although man. then you have the Gary Busey type too. So, Well, no, he was just a police officer. He was an FBI. Oh, okay. Because I was thinking that's probably the one who's got the hots for me. Gary Busey was LAPD in that movie. And uh, actually, he representing them much better than they actually are, I think, which says a lot about the LAPD. All right. So let's move into our reviews. Jared, what do you give The Thing? Dude, I'm giving it a solid A. Yes, I was tripping when I was watching this, all right? Yeah, I watched it 9 a.m. in the morning. I got scared. Amen, sister. Amen. <laughs> it's all on a Sunday, too. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, the movie, the movie looks great. I like the plot. I like the unpredictability. Dude, it aged well. It's, it's one of those movies that looks good even in 2020 yeah i totally agree with that because now we got cgi orgy fest so it's nice to see practical effects yeah those practical effects are awesome it is so much more fun to see practical effects than yes the cgi stuff that we just get nonstop nowadays because you can see a difference and especially as i said at the top of the show same artist total recall this they still look good in total recall they are so much more effective here because you just have a better better cinematography and uh direction and that's not a slam at paul verhoven who i do like as well Aaron, what do you what do you give the thing? I am also gonna give the thing a solid a i thought it was it was a good movie I was engaged for it. I wouldn't mind it. I I feel like they they left it open ended, and I I would love somebody to come and do a sequel to it. Not the remake that they did. I want Kurt Russell back. I want all of them. And if someone's dead, let's let's get their asses risen and let's get them back on. So I want the original cast to film a sequel. I'm gonna start tweeting about it as soon as I get a Twitter account. Okay, <laughs> right. Uh, well, you can use Jared's. He's not using it. And I guess nobody asked, but I will share because I know that when I signed my contract to be on this podcast, I agreed that every episode I would disclose who my Eiffel Tower would be. And so for my, obviously, 
Kurt Russell. Hello. And then I would say that my second stick would be (laughs) from the other black guy, not Childs. I can't remember what his name was. Oh, the cook. Nulls, the guy in the roller skates. Yep. Dude, can he fuck you with roller skates? He better. Wait, you mean, I mean fuck you while he's, he's wearing, wearing roller, roller he's skates? Wearing yeah, <laughs> that was. I, I was getting a little concerned apparatus. for Aaron. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how that would work. It would not be comfortable though. Hey, he was one of the last people to survive. All right, so you know, you you got you got strong semen. Why did he? He shouldn't you. have walked down that hall though. I mean, that was fucking stupid. Go get Kurt. Yeah. That's exactly what I'm gonna say to him. Go get Kurt. <laughs> oh, so he's going to be the first one in, and then he's going to tag in Kurt. I get it. <laughs> well, yeah, Kurt Russell. We're going to have to coax him in there. Come on. Kurt Russell isn't the first of the party. He shows up late. He's Kurt Russell. He's top build. Yeah. He had that Jason Worth look. Yeah, you know, I think this was like right after he stopped playing in the minor leagues. Yeah. See, Jason Worth is an example of exactly not the kind of guy that I want walking around with that bullshit all over himself. Oh, no, you didn't like that look. I hated it. No idea who you guys are. He's a baseball player. You're out playing baseball. I don't need to be look, like you look like you're going to go chop down some wood and build a log cabin. You're out here hitting balls. So let's let's trim it up. Hey, one good thing about this COVID-19 pandemic is uh, no baseball. Dude, I, I can't gamble anymore. You know, I have to gamble in Bundesliga. Oh, <laughs> So, yeah, an A, an A, and an A from me as well. Straight A's for the thing. Look at that shit. We all agree. It's been a while because we've had some pretty wildly divergent grades of late. And uh, here we are. We all come together over John Carpenter's The Thing. This movie is great. It's it's a very high recommend. It looks beautiful. It's fun. Um, hopefully you've seen it if you've listened to this because we gave a lot of stuff away. It's just one of the a movie that you just want to go into. I love the poster by the way, which I think was done overnight. But it's it's a great movie to go into not knowing uh, much about it and um, just having the experience of the discovering everything that happens. As you go through it, uh, I watched it. This is my second time watching it, and I liked it better this time, uh, even than I did the first time. And I liked it the first time. So yeah, this is a great movie. Straight A's across the board, and yeah. that's how we go into our second in our Alien double feature, which is the original Predator, uh, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger, of course. Lots to talk about there. We'll be back with that in a couple of weeks. In the meantime, if you want to find out more about this show, head on over to Bandcast.com. Follow us on Twitter at Bandcast. Send us emails, Bandcast at gmail.com. And thanks so much for listening. Right. And fuck off. Just because it's growing there doesn't mean it belongs. No, fuck this. I'm out of here.